Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Yes, today we're talking about digestive system. Now, everybody's got one, but this is super important that you know how this works. I mean, when you're looking at the digestive tract, most people don't really know what a pancreas is or what the gallbladder does or how the system actually works. Now, this is 80% of your immune system. The only reason you're alive is because you're able to take nutrients in your system and break those proteins to amino acids, the fats to fatty acids, and the carbohydrates to usable sugars. That's the only reason that you can stay alive. So understanding what can negatively affect your digestive tract is really, really important. Now, we're going to focus in on the nervous system and chemicals. I mean, literally, what, what, how the thing works, what drugs and toxins can negatively affect it. Well, first, digestion begins when you smell things. That's right. When you smell food, instantly your stomach is starting to produce a certain acid. And this acid is going to be specific for the nutrients that you're going to get in your system. Now, carbohydrates typically are broken down in the mouth. Proteins are typically broken down in the stomach, and fats are broken down in the duodenum, where the gallbladder is going to excrete bile. And, you know, when I say typically, I mean some digestion occurs at all three of those. I'm just talking that's the main area for the protein, fats, and carbohydrates. So when you take food in your system, instantly this food is going to be masticated up, chewed up, and going to have this huge enzymatic processes that are going to be breaking it down into usable nutrients. Well, we have this automatic nervous system that actually controls it. Now, one part of that automatic nervous system or autonomic is called the fight or flight, and that's also located in the ribcage area. And the fight or flight is called the sympathetic response. And if you're in that fight or flight mode, like if you're being chased by a tiger or frustrated with work or, you know, have some type of physical, chemical, or emotional stress, your body is going to go into the stress mode where you're going to shut down the blood supply to the gut because your body is just trying to stay alive. And then the other half of this automatic nervous system is called the parasympathetic, and that's also called the rest, digest, and repair. So when you have this sympathetic, this fight or flight, and then the parasympathetic, the rest, digest, and repair, you can imagine under parasympathetic activity, healthy blood supply and nerve supply are flowing to the gut to allow that digestive process. So when you take in food, goes in your mouth, down this esophagus, which is this muscular tube. Then it's going to hit the stomach area, and the stomach is right below the diaphragm or the breathing muscle. Yeah, this is why you always wondered, if you um, eat a really big meal, why do you have to lean back and stretch out? Because you can't bend forward and take a deep breath, because that stomach is pushing up on the diaphragm, and you can't expand. I know, didn't think you were going to learn something today, did you? Hey, you know? There's always something fun to learn. So then, when you look at this, after the stomach, there's a small area called the duodenum. And the duodenum is where it's kind of C-shaped. And the pancreas is stuck in the middle of that C. Because the pancreas and the gallbladder both drain through the same opening in this area. 
and then it goes into the jejunum, and then it goes into the ilium. And this is where you see in the movies all those, you know, multiple feet of intestinal tract because as the food leaves the stomach, it's very, very acidic. And as it gets further and further on down, it becomes more and more alkaline. For one, because the pancreatic enzymes are going to re release a bicarb, which alkalinizes it so that the acid of the stomach doesn't damage the intestinal tract. But as this goes through the intestinal tract, the body is further breaking it down. See, the body wants to utilize every nutrient that it could possibly get in. Anything it doesn't utilize, it's going to store in the form of fat because that's a very efficient holder for multiple calories. But what it, the body wants to do is break it down as, as efficiently as possible. So there's no usable material excreted from the body. Then this ileum, the small intestine, dumps its contents in the large intestine. And the large intestine is where most of the bacteria that you have live. And the bacteria are amazing because they're going to produce B vitamins. They're vital to your immune system. You have about 10 times more bacteria in your system than you do human cells. I mean, this is amazing. And the colon, even Hippocrates said death begins in the colon. So in order to have a healthy immune system, you have to have a healthy what's called microflora or gut bacteria. And this is going to be viruses, funguses, molds, candida. I mean, all of these things reside in this, uh, reside in this ecosystem of the intestinal tract. So anything that damages that microbiome, that, that ecosystem, is going to negatively affect your system. It's going to negatively affect your entire body. Now, when we look at the stomach... The stomach has a muscle on the top and a muscle on the bottom to keep the stomach acid in place. Now, if you've ever heard of reflux, gast GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, well, this is when that muscle on the top of the stomach gets loose. And then this is going to allow stomach acid to flow up inside of the uh, esophagus. And the esophagus isn't designed to handle acids that are that thick or that powerful. And so what you've got inside of that stomach gives you got these cells that secrete this beautiful muc mucosal layer. And the mucus protects the lining of the stomach. And all of this stuff was found out by Pavlov. And this was a Russian scientist. And most people know, you know, oh, Pavlov's dogs. You know, he would ring a bell, feed the dog, ring a bell, feed the dog. And what he eventually did was he would ring a bell and the dog would salivate. So he had the dog trained to this. Well, Pavlov did a lot more weird experiments. He would actually cut a hole in a stomach. See, a stomach is unusual. A stomach can digest bone. It can digest skin. It can digest flesh. But haven't you ever wondered why doesn't it digest itself? Well, this is what Pavlov wanted to find out. So he went in and actually put the dog's own foot in the dog's own stomach. And sure enough, the stomach digested the dog itself. I know it sounds kind of gross, but he's trying to experiment around with, with how the stomach works. 
And it turns out that the stomach actually does digest itself, that it does break it down, but the body is continually secreting this protective mucus layer to um, shield the stomach flesh from the acid. Because if the stomach, the, the flesh of the stomach, not the mucus layer, if that was exposed to the acid, it would actually burn up the stomach. And so um, now the lower esophageal sphincter, the muscle on top of the stomach, uh, on the bottom of the esophagus that actually holds the stomach acid in, that muscle increases and decreases in tone on the presence of acid. So you might want to wonder, well, what about antacids? Well, this is a, a unique thing, and I know it seems odd, but it turns out that the body is self-healing and self-regulating. And it's, an, unless your doctor thinks it's not. I know, I know. Is my sarcasm too much? Yes, it is. See, the body's self-healing and self-regulating, but the doctors now, they think that they're smarter than your body. And this is the end of an era of where doctors are medicating symptoms. So there's a very exciting time to be alive. So if the doctor's just drugging symptoms, like let's say you have reflux or you're, you're, you eat something and just a few minutes later you can taste it in the back of your throat, this means that that lower esophageal sphincter is not tight. It's not holding the stomach contents in the stomach. Now, what tightens that lower esophageal stomach? Well, for one, nerve supply. Stress will loosen it. Also, decreased acid in the stomach will loosen it, and increased acid in the stomach will tighten it. So what happens if you take those antacids, such as the proton pump inhibitors, See, they're prescribed to protect your esophagus from getting cancer. It turns out that according to the British Journal of Cancer, and this was a study about nine years ago, that if you take those proton pump inhibitors, it actually increases your risk of cancer. And you think, well, wait a second. So if the muscle on the bottom of the esophagus, on the top of the stomach, tightens up under the presence of acid, isn't acid natural and a benefit to the stomach area? Absolutely it is. But under chronic stress, there's not enough acid produced, so that actually loosens up the lower esophageal sphincter. And if you are taking a medication in addition to that, it means that you're going to get sicker and sicker. So um, look at the, the facts. What you want to do is drink no water a half hour before a meal, Drink no water during a meal and no water half hour after. And the reason is because that water is going to dilute the stomach acid. And you definitely don't want to dilute that. You want to have a healthy amount of acid so that your body can go in there and break it down and break down the nutrients. Plus, when you look at the FDA warning labels that those antacids have, you're talking, they say cardiac arrhythmias, convulsions, uh, mental de decline, DNA production, type 2 diabetes. I mean, there's a host of problems that occur in the, in, in the stomach from these medications. But also, I, what I want you to do, because we're just going over the rough overview of the stomach, um, I want you to think about the gallbladder and pancreas. Now, it's interesting because the gallbladder and pancreas, they're 
connected. They actually drain through the same opening in the area of the duodenum. Now, what the gallbladder does is it stores and concentrates bile. So anytime that there's some fat in the duodenum, that's when the gallbladder contracts and releases this bile into that duodenal area. Now, this is hugely important because if you've had the gallbladder removed, or haven't you ever wondered about where gallstones come from? Now, this is a real rough overview because we've done entire series on multiple disorders, on reflux, GERD, um, stomach ulcers, uh, intestinal problems, diverticulitis. We've done a number of talks on those. What, we're, what I'm doing right now is just going over the rough overview of how this works. And so I'm going to hit on some solutions. But the main thing, what I want you to understand now, is the gallstones, where they form from. Now, it's interesting that the only study I've seen uh, out of gallstones of what their constituents were was in Cleveland Chiropractic College. They actually did a study on what gallstones were made of and why they're formed in people under stress. Well, that's right, because what bile is... See, you've got a spleen. Now, the spleen is a blood filter, and it's lymph tissue. And what it does is it looks and checks each red blood cell every 20 minutes. And so every 20 minutes or so, all six quarts of blood flow through it. And any time the spleen finds a red blood cell that it doesn't like, it's going to send that red blood cell over to the liver to be broken down into its protein constituents, and it forms bile. So bile is actually formed out of the blood. Now, let's say you've got chronic, physical, chemical, emotional stress. It doesn't leave you, but you've got to get that, that fix. Okay? So what happens that um, the gallbladder is going to be storing and concentrating this uh, bile. And if there's stress hormones in that blood those stress hormones tend to have an affinity for each other. So gallstones are literally the stress hormones that are in the blood that are concentrated and they start to form stones. Now stones take years to form. What's unusual is there's a sludge, a gallbladder sludge, that we find in a lot of our patients who have physical, chemical, or emotional stressors. So we actually have to get that that body working better. Okay, we have to get the gallbladder to secrete, and the gallbladder is going to concentrate and store bile, which is actually a filter or a synthesis of blood. So we really have to look at healthy blood supply, healthy blood, and healthy liver when we're talking about emulsifying fats or breaking those fats to fatty acids. This is why when you start looking at the interdependent nature of digestion, that it's not just a separate system, that the nervous system is involved in it, that your microflora is involved in it, that your digestion or what you put in the system is involved in it. Your stress, your physical, chemical, emotional stress is going to have a radical um, dynamic effect on whether you can uh, digest nutrients. And without digesting nutrients, you ain't going to live. You're going you're gonna to be dead, okay? So you've got to 
take in nutrients, break those proteins, amino acids, fats to fatty acids, and carbohydrates to usable sugars in order to live. So let's look at the the microflora, the intestinal tract. Now we already know that the the nervous system controls this aspect. It controls digestion. But let's look at the ecosystem that is the intestinal tract. Well, 80% of the immune system resides in the guts. And in fact, you have about two to three pounds of bacteria inside of the intestinal tract. And 85% of this is good. 15% is bad. And the good bacteria actually keep the bad bacteria in check. So you have beneficial, which is most of it, and you have pathologic, which is a very small amount, 10 to 15%, and the good bacteria keep the bad bacteria in check. It's interesting to think that if you have um, anything that disrupts this normal flora, this microflora, that it can severely negatively affect your health. So what kind of things can disrupt your microflora? Well, we know antibiotics, vaccinations, medications, and processed foods. Uh, It's interesting. I found this study, and it was published in Nature, March 29th. Okay, so this was last month. Okay, and they're going in. uh, Here's the quote from the article. Extensive impact on non-antibiotic drugs on human gut bacteria. End of end of title. And it, interesting, but they're talking about uh, all these different drugs. So we're talking uh, not just antacids and blood pressure drugs and contraceptives, but also statins, cholesterol-lowering drugs. They disturb the microbiome. And there is a very, uh, the study found a wide range of commonly prescribed medications that interfere with the gut microbiome. And so this is very dangerous. Now, let's look at ulcers. What kind of things can damage that wall of the stomach? Well, a lot of people will say helicopylori, which is a bacteria inside of the stomach, pain relievers, medications again, and an altered stress. But helicopylori, there's a lot of talking around it. And I want I, I want you to be clear on this, that it, H. pylori is a bacteria that's found in over half of the world's population. And it can be everywhere. It could be through food, through water, through kissing, through close contact. Nobody really knows um, where helicopylori comes from. I suspect that it's actually normal flora in the stomach. So it lives in that stomach acid. <clears throat> but interesting, scientists aren't aren't sure at why it affects some people and some it doesn't. See, it's found in 50% of the population, and 70% of that half of the population have no symptoms whatsoever. <clears throat> so when you look at something that happens 70% of the time, you got to start thinking maybe it's normal flora, maybe it's supposed to be there. And you're talking that a very low amount, like 10 to 15% of the people that are infected. Now remember, 70% of people that are infected have no symptoms whatsoever. They may develop a stomach ulcer. So what kind of things can damage the body? Well, you got antacids, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, 
In fact, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and this is going to be the Advil, the Motrin, the Aleve, the, I mean, all of those, they're called COX-1 inhibitors. Now, this enzyme helps prevent ulcers by enhancing blood flow to the stomach and increasing production of the protective mucus. However, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, the pain reliever, actually stop your stomach from making healthy mucosal areas or to protect that lining of the stomach. So that predisposes your, um, your stomach for damage. And in fact, the, the, normally the stomach has three defenses against the digestive juices. First, the mucus that coats the lining. Second, the bicarbonate that neutralizes stomach acid. And third, the blood circulating to the stomach that aids in the renewal and cell repair. Uh, it's interesting. There's an article here, quote, Non-steroidal anti-inflammatories hinder all of these protective mechanisms and the stomach defenses down, the digestive juices can damage the sensitive lining of the stomach causing ulcers. So this is huge. Now, if the antacids can cause damage to the stomach and antibiotics can cause damage to the stomach, oh my gosh. See, antibiotics kill both pathogenic and healthy bacteria. Now, let's look at vaccines. What's interesting, study published in the Molecular Pathology Journal, April 2002, they found the measles virus present in the gut of children linked to the MMR vaccine. Now, this is causing an ileocolonic lymphonodular hyperplasia. Now, there's a new form of inflammatory bowel disease. Now, a few years before that, Dr. Andrew Wakefield uh, said that MMR vaccination may trigger bowel disorder and autism in susceptible children. So, so that's one study. When we look at another one, early Parkinson's. Now, this is increased intestinal permeability correlates with sigmoid mucosal um, endotoxin exposure markers in early Parkinson's. It, let me read that in English, okay? Uh, it turns out that the intestine might be an early site of Parkinson's disease in response to an environmental toxin or pathogen. Isn't that interesting that Parkinson's is on the rise, such as vaccines and antibiotics are on the rise? Mm-hmm. Let's look at uh, the Journal of Neuroimmunology, 2009. What they found is that ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, also has to do <clears throat> with, um, with uh, toxins in the gut. And what about Asia? Okay, now this is autoimmune inflammatory syndrome induced by adjuvants. And this is, we're seeing these vaccinations causing massive gut problems, and it can be linked to silicosis, Gulf War syndrome, uh, macrophagic myositis, post-vaccination phenomena. I mean, this is huge. So we know that the medications, we know the vaccines, we know the antibiotics, all cause disruption of gut flora. 
And we're going to go over and I'm going to present a number of different um, patients that have come in. I mean, this one kid, just really cool, he comes in from Colorado. He had ulcerative colitis for three years and he was only eight years old. Now, of course, hospital birth, mom was given Pitocin. He was fully vaccinated until he was six years old, so that's 49 vaccines, multiple antibiotics, and steroids. Now, two days after he started care, the bleeding stopped. I mean, can you imagine being eight years old, and every time you go to the bathroom, you poop blood? I mean, what does that do to your psyche? This kid was a rock. And I'm seeing stuff in practice that I've never even heard of before. We're talking 10-year-olds with, with constipation, 8-year-olds with ulcerative colitis, 5-year-olds with uh, ulcerative colitis. I mean, it's nuts. And when you look at the medical system, what does the medical system say that all of these symptoms are from? You know what they say? They say it's idiopathic. They haven't a clue. They don't know what it is, but they know it's not the vaccines. Um, just mind-boggling. Now, when you look at the Journal of Lancet, and this is 2002, quote, polio vaccine was responsible for up to half of the 55,000 non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cases that are occurring each year, end of quote. If that doesn't frighten you. See, right now we're just seeing the end result of vaccines that were done 40 and 50 years ago. What is this doing to our population? Well, we know currently one in two, 54% of kids have a chronic illness that they're never going to recover from. So this is something we have to pay attention to. Uh, when in doubt, don't vaccinate. Okay, now let's look at the dangers of glyphosate. Now, this glyphosate was originally um, advertised as an antibiotic where it kills funguses, bacteria, mold. Uh, the problem is, now glyphosate, according to Monsanto, it's one of the wide, most widely used broad-spectrum herbicides and crop desiccants in the world. Now, the reason this thing works is it attacks bacteria, and the shikimate pathway is present in bacteria. Now, bacteria outnumber your cells 10 to 1, but since humans don't have the shikimate pathway, they were saying, Monsanto is, that it's safe and effective. Here's the challenge. Remember, your bacteria outnumber your cells 10 to 1. Your bacteria are 80% of your immune system. Your bacteria protect you. So if you're taking anything in your gut that damages the bacteria, it's going to negatively affect you. So let's look at the Interdisciplinary Toxicology Journal. What they talk about is celiac disease is associated with imbalances of gut bacteria um, that can be fully explained by the known effects of glyphosate on gut bacteria. That's frightening. And so glyphosate is also a mineral chelator. Now, this has been used so much, it's actually in our water system. So it's pulling minerals away from your body. This is a challenge because you need minerals in order to um, to utilize vitamins. And we're already mineral deficient. So the glyphosate is literally sucking the minerals out, stopping you from having healthy metabolic responses. Uh, now, look at the antibiotics, okay? Um, well, 
we're actually running out of time. So we're going to go over a leaky gut. We're going to talk about everything. So what do you do? You have to maintain the health of your gut. You have to have a healthy nerve supply because remember, if that nervous system is off and your body is under physical, chemical, or emotional stress, you're not going to be able to digest your nutrients. If you're taking medications, uh, find the problem and fix it. Okay, the doctor that gave you the drugs is supposed to be the one to get you off of the drugs, but you're not going to solve the same problem with the same intellect that created the problem. Just know that one drug, no matter what it's for, can have a multitude of effects on the body. If you're talking about an Advil that you're taking for joint pain, but it's negatively affecting your gut, it's affecting 80% of your immune system, and this can cause a devastating effect on your health. So you don't want to just take a standard non anti-inflammatory for pain. We now are going to change that and find the problem and fix it. Make sure you get healthy, saturated fat, healthy vitamin amounts of vitamin D3, leucozyadine, plant-based mineral supplement. I mean, all the stuff we talk about, you've got to maintain the health of your body. Get fermented foods and build up that, that, that bacteria, that microflora. It, here's, here's one article. Annals of New York Academy of Science. Recent studies demonstrated that probiotic bacteria have beneficial effects in these diseases and effectively improving the intestinal barrier function. It, think about what you put in your body. What you put in there is vital. Your body actually becomes what you put in. This is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. Uh, God bless you. I love you. When you walk by the mirror, smile, because you are more energy than matter. And your body is designed for health. Until next week, and this month we're talking about nutrition all month. God bless you. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.